we go. This is this is my title for tonight. Saved for greatness. Um, there's a lot of things we are saved from, for sure. We are saved from a pointless life. We are saved from our sins. We're saved from a lot of stuff. But we're really saved for something. We're saved for someone. But we're saved for greatness. We're, we're God destined us to be great beyond measure. Uh, and we, we've settled sometimes for just, well, I guess I'm, I guess, uh, I guess, you know, I'll be okay when I see Jesus, I hope. I mean, that's kind of sometimes our, our frame of mind, and I want to attack that one in just a second. Gee, I hope I'm okay with the Lord. I hope he still likes me, but, you know, we'll just crawl into the finish line and call it good. No, 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 no. All, all wrong. Um, he, he saved you for greatness. Uh, saved you out of something and into something. Um, about three weeks ago, sometimes I wake a lot. I don't know about all of you, but when I, right when I wake up, there are times when God will download things to me, a lot of things. Sometimes, like in this case, I got a whole sermon in about, you know, maybe about 10 earth seconds. Um, my problem was I had to race to the computer and remember as much of it as possible, you know. But it was all right as I was waking up. But what I was feeling was, I don't, first of all, I don't, I know God doesn't get frustrated. I, I mean, Maybe you could make a theological argument, but he's just too good for that. He's not frustrated. But what I was what I was feeling when I was waking up was um, maybe maybe more of a, a pained a, a pained heart that his his kids aren't getting it uh, yet. How um, how saved we are, just how what a done deal this thing is. How we keep getting duped by the enemy to go back to the basics, and he says no we. We need to be moved way past that by now. And we keep going back to, gosh, am, gosh, am I even saved? I had a really bad day today. Am I even saved? And uh, so I woke up with this, and he gave me scripture after scripture after scripture. And not only that, but he gave me um, scriptures of some of, the, some of the ones that maybe cause you to scratch your head a little bit. And you, and you say, well, I believe I'm saved, but what about that scripture? And what about that one? And he gave me all these scriptures. And honestly, we're not going to go through them all tonight. There was way too many. And, and in fact, later on, I heard his heart. I thought this was all we were going to do tonight. And he said, no, no, you could do that really short. Just just give it to him in a good punch, you know, what the truth is. Because then I want you to move on to, to what you're going to do with it. Let's move on to what we're going to do with this with this truth. So, um, so first, let's just look at, um, there it is. Let's look at what, what does it mean to be saved? Okay, this is, this is from Romans 10, verse 9, that says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Bang, there it is. Did you, did you see all the points below there of all the things you've got to do to be saved? I mean, keep reading, keep the scroll going, you know, there's a whole bunch of things. Now, it says... If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. John 6, 29. The people say, Jesus, Jesus. These are the people that are still all mired in the religious legalistic system. And they're all pretty worried about, are they going to make it? Are they going to be good enough? Is God going to accept them? They said, Jesus, what must we do to do the works that God requires? And Jesus said, the work of God is this. To believe in the one he has sent. Period. 
there was a big long list of things you had to do to be right with God, wouldn't that have been a really good time to bring it up? It just asks the Son of God straight on, what do we got to do? To do the works. Sounds like do-do, doesn't it? And Jesus says, believe. Believe. Believe me. Let's, let's, look at, let's look at a few others. I'm going to make this really quick. But it's so good. You know what? When I was worshiping here, oh, i gotta, I got to tell you this. There's a reason why I brought this up here. I was worshiping back there most of the night tonight in the back. I'm not usually back there, but I really enjoyed it. And uh, awesome job, Todd. Awesome. You rock. So I was back there worshiping, and... Uh, and the Lord was showing me, uh, you know, I was worshiping. And then after a while, I was, I was starting to do this. And I started looking at you all like this, like you could see me. And I said, oh, and God said, yeah, this is my people. They're all covered in my glory, all of them. They're covered in my glory. They're covered in my glory. And that's how he sees you all the time. You're like, yeah, but what if I'm standing behind him? Oh, let's see. Oh, no, you're covered in his glory, too. You're covered in his glory. And, uh. Thank you, Lord. So where were we? Oh, John 5.24. If there was more I was going to say, but I, I don't know. We're just going to keep going here. This is amazing. Jesus says, in all truth I tell you, verily, verily, in your old King James Version, meaning don't miss this. Whoever listens to my words and believes in the one who sent me, the Father. See, Jesus is always pointing to the Father. you got to know my dad. The Father's pointing to the Son. He's amazing. Listen to him. Holy Spirit's pointing to both of them going, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Whoever listens to my words and believes in the one who sent me, Jesus says, has eternal life. I know what I was going to say a minute ago. I'm going to go on in the scripture a second ago, but when I was back there worshiping, God was showing me that, <laughs> that that in sharing the good news, like that's that's the that's the most glorious thing we could do is use this mouth and these vocal cords to actually share really good news. And I want to tell you something: if it is a sound like good news, it's not the good news. That's a really good word right there, because we hear a lot of people preaching that are calling it good news, but doesn't sound very good. This is, this is the good news. So he says, if you believe in the one who sent me, you have eternal life without being brought to judgment. You, such a person, has already passed over from death to life. See, when you got saved, when you said yes to Jesus, you, you were 100% saved. There isn't like still a foot hanging out, you know, in the other part, and and you're trying to drag it over. That's not the way it works. You were saved. You've already you've already crossed over from death to life. You're not going to be saved one day. That whole pearly gates thing, and hoping you get in. I have some great news for you. Look behind you, because you're already in. When you said yes to Jesus. Now, if there's someone here that says, well, I haven't, I haven't said yes to believing in Jesus, then let me tell you, 
you've got something really important to do. The most important thing in your life to do. It's like the easiest thing in the world. So easy that we, we think it couldn't be that easy, but, but you've got some, you have a decision to make. Uh, I'll talk about that in a minute. Brought in from, you've already passed from, from death to life. Done. Here's another one. Colossians 1, 13 and 14. Now check this out. That, so that was, that was uh, Jesus talking. Here's Paul. Paul, 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 Paul. I love, I love Paul. I'm looking forward to meeting Paul one day soon. Amazing man. But he got it. He got the grace love message to the core. And let me tell you, don't forget, lest any of you think you're disqualified because you're so bad. Paul was the worst of the worst, according to him. And And by the mercy of Jesus, Jesus went and apprehended him, showed him who he really was. Paul got a true glimpse of the risen, living Christ, the loving, living Christ. His world was rocked, never the same, and he is the one who says things like this. Paul says, It is he, it is Christ, who rescued us, rescued, past tense, from the ruling forces of darkness and has transferred us, past tense, to the kingdom of the Son that he loves. So this is the Father saying, it's the Father who rescued us, from the forces of darkness, transferred us to the kingdom of the Son He loves, and in Him we enjoy our freedom, the forgiveness of sin. The forgiveness of sin. Justified. We're justified in Christ, which means there's no case against you. Why? Because there's no evidence. Why? Because Jesus paid for it. The judge can't find any. They throw the case out of court. There's no case against you. What about that don't we understand or won't we believe? Because I'm telling you, when you believe this, it rocks your world. It changes you. It really does change you. Suddenly your life isn't about trying not to be bad. But now you're in love with the one who says you're free. I I set you free. You're free. It's done. It's done. It's done. It's done. Um, Here's another one. Um, It's not up here, but John 11 John 11. Okay, this is, this is where um, Lazarus has died. They wanted him to come quickly to heal him. He didn't come. He waited three days, right? And um, Martha, Martha comes up and meets Jesus, and you know what? She's pretty upset. She's trying to hide it, you know. Don't want to get upset at Jesus, but, but if you were here, that wouldn't have happened. That's about what it says. So, verse 21. Okay, this is not right. Oh, because I'm in the wrong book. It's in John, yeah. Well, I don't know what I said. John 11. And I was looking at Luke, so, you know, I don't know. Here we go. That looks right. That's the page I was looking for. Okay, so, Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will grant whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know he will rise again at the resurrection of the last day. She's repeating her catechism that she learned since she was three. I know one day we're all going to rise again. I know, I know. He says, no, you don't understand. 
that day is living in me, Martha. I am the resurrection. I am the life. That thing you've been waiting for, you don't have to wait for it any longer because he's standing in front of you. I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me, even though that person dies, they will live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Never, ever, ever. Why? Because you already died with him. When you said yes to Jesus, you already died with him. When Jesus was on the cross, he not only died for your sins, but he died for you. He died in your place. He died your death. So the very thing you're worried about someday, guess what? It ain't going to happen. I, I understand you could argue with me and you say, well, Brent, you know, we all leave this body with this flesh. And I'd say, I understand. But the thing that you're afraid of ain't going to happen because you're going from life to more life. And you'll go, what? I was worried about that. Woo! Do you believe this? She says, yes, Lord. Look, there it is again. What does it take? Believing that Jesus is who he said he is. He did what he said he would. He died for you in your place. Nothing is held against you. That, that, is, that is life. That's how you enter into life. Apart from that, you're going to be a very unhappy person. But with that information, when you actually agree with it, which is a miracle, of course, Holy Spirit and you come together and you both think it's a good idea and you agree with him, your whole life changes. When you finally say Jesus is, is my Savior, he really did do this. But once you go through, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who has come to come into this world. But that's it. You're in. You're in. This is what the Lord was showing me that morning when three weeks ago when I was waking up and, and getting all this, his heart, his, his heart was kind of like aching, like, oh, I want my children to get this. I, I don't want them to keep worrying about this. They're missing out. They're missing out on where we're supposed to go together when they're still back here in square one wondering what I think about them, if I even like them. They're missing out. And uh, let me see what's next here. Here's the, here's the next question I had to ask, which is, how can you love someone you don't trust? Let me, let me tell you what I mean. Um, God wants this love relationship, a deep, intimate love relationship with us. If, we're not, if we think that he's ticked off at every little thing we do, if we don't understand the completeness of how washed we are, of how there is no record, when he said no record, oh, he meant no record. He didn't mean most of the record was gone, except these couple really bad things you did. No, there's no record of your sins. That's the good news. That's the really good news. There's no record of your sins. But if that isn't true, if you don't believe that's true, if you don't know how much the Father adores you, if you don't know how much Jesus is taking care of this sin problem forever, you really can't love God the way he wants because you don't trust him. You can't trust someone that you think is angry at you for every little thing you do. You can't. So do you understand, in, in believing what Christ has done, this, that's what's going to usher you into this place of intimacy with the Lord that some of you have never really experienced, or you certainly haven't experienced it the way you want to. But it comes, it comes with this depth of knowing 
And I'll tell you again, knowing isn't intellectual knowledge. It's, it's, it's encounters, actual encounters with the living God. When he kisses your heart, there are times, maybe it's in worship, maybe it's driving down the road. I don't know, those kind of yummy times where you wish you had all the time. But don't forget those because that's God kissing your heart. And he says, I love you, I love you, I love you. And so as he kisses your heart awake, you start to realize, oh, everything he said is true. And the more you believe it's true, the more it changes your openness to him because now you can trust him. If You've heard me say this many times, but if God is going to make you come to him by means of fear of punishment, that's not love, that's manipulation. He could do it. But, but through Christ, he completely erased that and said, nope, never going never gonna to approach you that way. I want, I want you to come. I want us to come face to face. Face to face. I want you to come to me and run to me as your papa who loves you and adores you without fear of punishment. To the book of 1 John, that if we, if we are afraid of punishment, we have not come to perfection in love yet. That's what it says. If you're afraid of punishment, you haven't understood his love yet. It's okay. He still loves you. He's not mad at you for that. Because Jesus paid for that too. But he's just saying, come on. Come on, kids. Come on. It's better than you think. It's better than you think. So, here's this. 1 John 5, 11 through 13. This is the testimony, John says, who was the one whom Jesus loved, right? The disciple whom Jesus loved. By the way, let me just, I know you're all reading that. Oops. Born again. We'll get into that in a minute. Go backwards. Uh, before I read that scripture, you know what? Because of all the just I just forgot what I was going to say. So here we go. 1 John 5, 11 through 13. This is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has... Hey, Wait. Whoever has the Son has That's right. Because remember, you already crossed over from death to life. Do you remember that? Okay. Whoever does not have the Son of God has not life. I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is not guesswork. He doesn't want you wondering for the rest of your life, what's going to happen when I die? Not if you've said yes to Jesus. You are as covered as you could be. So it's time to get on with living. Because the enemy's game is, if he can keep us in this place where we don't really know if we're right with God or not, tell me how are we going to come together as the one body of Christ? Here we talk about unity in the body of Christ. How can you be unified if you don't even know you're in the body? That's a problem. How can we step out in the authority that's ours in Christ if we don't even know if we're in Christ, if he likes us? See, we can't be about what we're supposed to be about when we're still worrying about this. So God God woke me up and said, son, would you you tell him the good news again? I said, sure, dad. I'd love to do that. Jesus said that um, that we can't uh, see the kingdom of God until we're born again. I just want to remind you that um, born again means, literally, 
actually is born from above. That's really a much more literal translation from John 3. Born from above. But born again means you're born again. Means your old thing, whatever it was, it's gone. And you got a new you. That's the real you. That's the only you. There are two of you. You were one thing and you are another thing. You were living for yourself. Now it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. There's no middle ground. You crossed over from death to life when you were born from above. That's the way it is. Because you know what? When you're you're born, you're, you're the son or daughter of somebody, aren't you? You're born again. You're you're now you're now as you're now officially Papa's son or daughter. You were before, but there's a difference now. There's his seed is in you. There's a whole everything shifted. Now you now you are not recognized anymore as a sinner. That was the death life. You are now a saint. Just tell yourself, I'm I'm Saint whoever. I'm Saint Brent. Who, who are you? I'm, I'm serious. Talk, say it out loud. I'm saying. Say, say your own name. I'm saying. Does that feel weird to you? It shouldn't. Paul wrote to the saints of Ephesus, the saints of Philippi, and he wasn't talking to dead people who did a lot of miracles in the past. He was talking to living people who believe Jesus. And that's who you are. You're living people, alive in Christ, who believe Jesus. See, the thing is, you were born into an inheritance that can never spoil, never perish, never fade. you remember that one? That's 1 Peter 1, 3 to 5. You were born into an inheritance that can never spoil, never fade, never, never perish. That's where you are right now. The, the landslide of evidence, I'm about to move into what we're going to do with this. Let me just finish with this. The landslide of evidence is, is that everything I've just told you is absolutely 100% true. Your papa adores you. Jesus is taking care of the sin problem forever for you. You are right with God. How often? All, all the time. Some of you might be scratching your heads on that one. You are right with God all of the time. How could that be? Clearly, you weren't following me around my day today or yesterday, because if you'd seen me, you wouldn't say that. I'm not looking at what you did. I'm looking at what Jesus did. It's what Jesus did. It's what Jesus did. It's what Jesus did. Honestly, our biggest problem is we're too stuck on ourselves. Instead of just turning around and saying, wow, you know, I'm feeling a little bit less than today, but God, that doesn't really matter. Let me look at what you did. Jesus, let me gaze again at what you did on the cross, taking everything for me. When it says that all of the wrath was poured out on Jesus, what part of all do we not understand? Because some of us still think there's a little bit reserved for us. 
And if you believe that, it's going to impact not only how you feel about God, but, but it's going to impact how you live. It's going to steal your joy. It's going to it's going to take away that love quotient, that love potion that God's pouring into you to pour out to this world. If you still believe His wrath is waiting for you, let me just do one. God told me about He downloaded about ten different scriptures that sometimes cause us problems. Like, well, but what about this one? I'll just give you one. Some of you have said, well, what about Revelation chapter two and three? You know where it says, if uh, you know if you don't repent, I'm going to take away your lampstand or things like that. And and you get you know you start to get a little bit nervous. Well, I'm not sure then I'm saved. I want to I want to remind you of something. Those letters were written to the angels of cities. Did you ever think about that? See, in our Western world, we kind of think everything's for moi, you know? All it has to be about me, right? <clears throat> Look at it this way. See, cities are really big to God. He, there's several places where he talks about what he's going to do in cities, right? So look at it this way. What if he says, I want you to write to the angel of the city of San Francisco. And I want you to say to that angel, San Francisco, I have called you to be a light to the nation. San Francisco, I sent you St. Francis, who gave you love. And that love is supposed to be exported to the entire globe, to the earth. San Francisco, turn around, remember who you are. Because you're supposed to be a light to the nations. But if you're but if you're exporting something other than the love I gave you, I'm not going to let that be shown. That's not what I want exported to the world. Doesn't that change those passages quite a bit? I'm just saying. So, here's the deal. It is absolutely time to get on with living. Which, which means what? No more, um, what Cheryl was saying about God showing up. It, let me just say this. Earlier this week, I was um, totally caught up. Every, every day this week, I was caught up in the spirit and different things. It was just one of those, it's one of those times where you're taking me at all new places all over again, and I love it. And he says, uh, and, he's, and he's calling me up. It's always, come on, son, here's the invitation. There's more, let's go, let's go, let's go. And, um, but, but at this one time I was, I was interceding and I, I, I was kind of caught up in this intercession. I was living, I was like, oh, oh, like that. And I'm feeling it like again, but, and, and as I was, as I was in this place, all of a sudden I saw this fiery revival that we have been calling out for, crying out for, for so long. Now, I understand we're, we're in revival and lots more waves are coming. Lots more waves are coming. We are so much more alive. Revival means to live again. We're so much more alive as a church than we were five years ago, ten years ago. Clearly, the spirit is going like this. The water level is going like this. But, but what I was in was that was this thing, you know, when we still say, well, how can we pray for all these people? And these ones are healed, but these ones aren't. Just like Cheryl said, there's a time coming imminent. It's imminent where God is showing up in such power that all these things that we've been praying for and sometimes frustrated about, God says, watch, 
what I'm about to do. Watch what I'm about to do. And I wish that I could put this into words for you. I'm trying my best, but it was really beyond words. It really was. And I was just, oh, I knew it was all here and it was right now. Like it was imminent. Right here. If I were to say it's around the corner, that would be too far away. It's closer than that. And as I'm in this place, then, then the next thing, you know, was about was about our building. And I'll just say this, you know, we many of you have faithfully given to our, our building and we're like, God, we believe you, it's coming, it's it's coming. And and you have to understand, every, everything I just told you about intimacy with God, about about revival, about life, I mean that's what I live for. A building is a building. I understand that. But God has told us one of the things he's told us is, I want a place where I can be myself. There's, there's a lot we're doing. There's a lot more that we believe we're called to as, as a, literally a center for, a regional center for equipping. There's a, we want to be a, we, we see God's given us vision to be literally a, a womb for kingdom-minded businesses to be established and, and raised up for the good of people, but also for, as the prophets come, it gets sent back out into the kingdom. we got so many, we got huge visions. We have city block visions, not, you know, not cottage visiting visions. And, and, um, and so all this is to say that, that um, many of you know we have that sign out there about Vintage Hills. And for right now, we just ran into a, a stone wall with that one. Where, um, and I don't want to get into too many details because it's all on podcasts, but, but, but just to say that, that right now that the, the City, that thing, that's such a good idea for a church to be there. And and so that's okay, meaning if God wants us there, we're going to be there anyway. And if not, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, there's other things that are stirring up, other things that are happening. We still believe every time we get together, whether it's the facilities team or whether it's the elders, we still believe there's something hugely miraculous that's going to happen. Um, and, but again, as I got this, as I, as I was in this place of this fiery revival, the building was like a, was like an afterthought, almost like, oh, well, that's, we're already in there. It's already done because God knew we needed it, and that's not even the main thing. The main thing is, is change lives. The main thing is God showing up, and, and hungry people coming, the harvest coming in. So there you go. There's just a quick update on the building. Um, we're just, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord is my answer. Um, but in the midst of all this uh, that God is doing, there's no time. There's no time to be modeling around, kind of mildly interested in the world and what this world has to offer with its, you know, it, there's just not time for that. Honestly, there's just not time for that. And 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 uh, it's, this isn't a beating yourself up thing. This is just saying, oh, yeah. This is a, like just a wake-up call, like, oh, yeah, God's in town. What are we settling for this for? You know, God's here. Um, huh. Okay, so here's here's one. Um, try that again. There it is. Blazing um, Fire turns nine this week. Um, and um, I wanted to, you know, for the first oh four or five years, I would always reread. Um, the original vision that I shared with the church nine years ago, November 17th, I believe. Is that right? November, yeah, November 17th. Um, I haven't done it in years, and I just felt led to do it tonight. So, so um, 
transport yourself back nine years. We were in a little place called the Good News Family Fellowship. There were probably, probably about 50 people there that night. Bill was one of them. He's nodding his head. Um, and, uh, you know, after, we, after I shared this, I, I told people, I don't want you all to come be part of Blazing Fire unless you really want these things. Like, this is your warning. <laughs> we're, we're really going after God. It's going to be really different. And, um, and so I think when we did start meeting, we did, I think we were down to about 30. I think I successfully, you know, cut our group in about half by just telling them where we were going. And we, and we stayed small for a long time, for a couple of years. We were in a home for a year, and then we, were in a, we went back to a home for a year, and then to a church. And we were small for a couple of years, but you know what? God likes small things sometimes because because he goes really deep, and, and, and he would much rather that a few people get something really well than a lot of people just kind of get it, you know? Because once you get a core, you can change the world. Jesus did it with 12, you know? And he was successful with 11 of them. Anyway, that's a different story. That's a whole other sermon. Tonight, this is what I said nine years ago. Tonight, we are sounding a trumpet. You must listen to the Lord and ask if you are to come and build with us. Suzanne and I are simply people, really. We just want God's presence. We cannot live without it. We are living in the biggest move of God's spirit in all of history. And this was nine years ago. Let me tell you, it's a lot bigger now. It's a move of grace. It's all about loving Jesus, and it is just beginning. It's huge. God is doing unprecedented things across the earth. Friends, you were born for such a time as this. This move of God is already here in Northern California, in part, and it's coming in much greater measure. It has been prophesied that a new Jesus movement is being birthed in Reading, and this was nine years ago. It has also been prophesied that there is a a 500-mile radius around Reading that will experience this mighty outpouring as a hotspot in California. We're well within that 500-mile radius, by the way. We are being invited by God to be part of it. Our intent is to go after God at whatever the cost and to shepherd those who want to go there with us. Suzanne and I have been called together by God to pastor a people into the very presence of the living God. The Lord has called us to lead a group of people who are hungry and thirsty for him and who are so yielded to him that he can move freely in their midst to do whatever he desires through them. We are not to do church in the way that it's being done. In fact, we are not to do church at all. We must learn together how to wait upon the Lord, how to hear God's voice and discern the flow of God's spirit together as the body of Christ. In John 3, 8, the Holy Spirit is described as the wind that blows wherever it pleases. We cannot control the wind, and we must must not try to control the Holy Spirit. Will we learn how to wait upon the Lord together, or will we demand programs and activity in order to make our restless souls feel better? So you have to understand, for the first several years, we did a lot of waiting for God. And we still do. Certainly, it's transformed quite a bit. But a lot of times when something's new and you get going, there's that fear of, oh no, oh no, if we don't start to have this program and that, people aren't going to come. And God says, shh, not interested in those things. Keep your eyes on me. Watch what I do. Keep coming after me. Watch what I do. God has called us to do something totally different, something of his making. We must enter into it with a determination and perseverance to wait upon him and give him total and complete permission to have his way. 
to let the Holy Spirit blow wherever he chooses and not to stop him, grieve him, or shut him down. This, this is the fear of the Lord that we must have. By living this way, we will not always have all of the answers or have a detailed five-year plan. Believe me, I still don't have one of those. I don't know how people make one of those. I don't have a five-day plan. We are dreaming. I told you we got big dreams. I understand. I just don't know how we're going to get there other than looking at God, gazing on him, and watching what he does. So anyway, it seemed to work really well so far. Um, by living this way, I already said we won't have the end. But we won't have a five-year plan. But we will walk in obedience each time we discover the next step that God has directed us to take. That's what we've, that's what we've done. And God has been so gracious to us. I, I could give you a hundred examples of how he won't let us go very far off the trail of what he has for us. Any little missteps, he goes, right here, you're right there, come on back. We just, it's just so much grace, it's crazy, crazy grace, crazy favor. Time is much too short to be wasting in doing things that the Lord has not called us to do. We are living in a critical time of history. We must have oil in our lamps continuously and live in a state of readiness. We simply must have a deep abiding relationship with the Lord and then convey the reality of his love to others. We must forget about complacency. And, oh, sorry. There you go. No complacency. People listening to the tape are going to go, what just happened? Don't tell This is our secret. We must forget about complacency and being normal. We must learn how to rest in the Lord and know that he works on behalf of weak and helpless people who acknowledge their need and total dependence upon him. God has said to us, I will make an everlasting covenant with them, never to cease in my efforts for their welfare. Never to cease in his efforts for your welfare. That's the covenant. That's the deal. That's your God. My joy will lie in them and in doing them good. That's Jeremiah 32, 40, and 41. So our goal for the new flock is to lead people to the place where they are so filled with the Lord, so filled with the Holy Spirit, so filled with the resurrection power of Jesus, so filled with the love of the Father that it gushes out of them, and they are overflowing with the presence of God to the world around them. The Holy Spirit's evangelism strategy is not about programs. His strategy can be found in John 7, 37 and 38. Those who are thirsty are invited to come to Jesus. By believing in him, by believing in him, that's kind of the theme of today, isn't it? We will be so filled up that streams of living water will flow from our inmost being. And with intimacy comes power. Signs and wonders will follow those who believe. And I listed a bunch of scriptures. We are not to hide it. God is going to use us to bring life and hope and refreshing to those who are dry and desperate for the living God. Our church is to be a watering hole and a river, a place where people can come to drink of the goodness of the Lord and discover the joy of intimacy with their Heavenly Father through a relationship with Jesus. Nothing is more important than enjoying the Father and resting in His blessing and favor. He must be our sole pursuit because His promise is that we will find him when we seek him with all of our hearts. He also promises that, his, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And what is that reward? 
an intimate relationship with our loving Father that we've always longed for. So I believe that we are to be a guinea pig in our region, an experiment. What would happen if a group of people who are passionate for the Lord and who in humility are desperate for a move of His Spirit, if we gave Him permission to do whatever He wanted to do? What would happen? We've decided to find out. Suzanne and I have moved all of our chips to the middle of the table. We are betting on God. There is no plan B. We have got to go for it. There's absolutely nothing else to go for. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's within reach. We'll have to learn how to reach into the unseen. We've been learning that for a while, haven't we? While at a pastor's conference at Bethel Church in Reading, this was still nine years ago, I saw that I am part of an end-time army flanked on either side by a network of leaders who want the same thing, moving as one, contending for revival. We do not have to wander by ourselves because God has given us to each other. This is true unity rooted in a deep passion for Jesus. The apostolic order is coming. The foundation of the apostle and the prophet must take place for the church to come into the fullness of what the Lord has promised and planned. Very last sentence here. When when Alexander the Great came up against the Himalayas, it was not on his map yet. He told his army, that's where I'm going. And the soldiers said, it's not even on the map. And Alexander replied, nevertheless, that's where I'm going. Will you follow your, follow your leader off the map? The call hasn't changed. It just doesn't change. There's, there's only one thing worth going after, that's the Lord's presence, His deep abiding presence. And what we've seen is, is when we give Holy Spirit permission to move, and I know it gets weird in here sometimes, it's probably going to get weird in here in a little bit again. We, we do have a reputation in some place. In some places as that church. And honestly, there's going to come a time where there's going to be so much unity in the body of Christ that we will all celebrate our differences and celebrate each other. Um, that, that day is, is not far away because it's actually, it's actually happening quite a bit. In fact, I had just this last week, I got to tell you this, I had a, past, a lunch with a, a mainline denominational uh, pastor. Uh, in Pleasanton, and at the end of it, um, you know, earlier I was kind of encouraging him, and at the end of it, he says to me, he says, Brent, I am so glad you are here in this region. We've both been here a long time. He said, I'm so glad you're in this region going for it. Um, you know, I, out there going for it. And I said, well, out there, you know, we certainly have been accused of that. And he said, no, no, no. He goes, he said to me, we need your passion. We, it's not, I know it's not for everybody, but this valley needs it. We need you. And this is coming from a mainland pastor. I'm like, 
wow, that was like, wow, God, you're, you're, you're doing this. This whole thing of how badly we need each other, how the, how the hand can't say to the eye, I don't need you, and vice versa. We're, we're starting to get there where we understand and celebrate our differences and say, hey, we, we need it all. So, so we keep going, and it gets better and better. What we said is when we give Holy Spirit permission to move, God shows up. When he shows up, people's lives get changed. They get loved on. They start experiencing the Father's love. When you experience the Father's love, your whole life changes. When you really experience it, not just, oh, I know God loves me. No, no, no. You're wildly passionate about you every second of every day because you're his kid. That's just the way it is. But when it gets into your heart, it changes you. And the more we've done that, then what happens is, like we said, this is Holy Spirit's evangelism strategy. You take it in and... It busts out this way. You can't help it. You can't help it. You become God's love message everywhere you go. But you got to get it first. You can't give away what you don't have. Here's something else I want to tell you. A lot of you have been going through a lot of stuff. If we had the time, right, <laughs> to hear from each one of you. Yeah, you've been going through stuff for sure. I want to tell you, first of all, the goal, this is going to be a, a gem. Are you ready for this? The goal of this life is not to get to a place where you don't have to get go through stuff anymore. I'm going to repeat that one because some of you need to hear this. The goal of this life is not to get to a place where you don't go through the stuff anymore. Because after this stuff, there's going to be some other stuff. I still, the blessing of God is all over you. The favor of God is all over you. But sometimes we think, why is this happening to me? And <laughs> but let me tell you God's goal. This is, this is important because if there's no purpose to any of it, then that's kind of, that's kind of sad too. This is God's goal, that, that you so trust him in the midst of this stuff, so trust him, that the more the stuff comes, it's not, hit, it's not touching you anymore. It's not stealing your joy. It's not robbing anything from you. You go, oh, well, that's just stuff. And you're in the eye of the storm, the eye of the Father's love. You're watching everything fly around you, and you're going, huh, it's really flying around, isn't it? Why would he do that? Like some of I know I know people in this room have lost their homes. You know I could go on and on and on. There's a lot of things going on, uh, joblessness, things that could really. As we talk about this, all of a sudden you're like, oh shoot, oh no, no, that's not what I'm doing. Let me tell you what's going on. Your roots have gone so deep. Your roots have gone so deep. When you're sitting here thinking, sometimes you think I'm faithless. You think about yourself, I'm faithless. Because I'm praying to God and nothing seems to change. I must be faithless. No. Did you just hear yourself? You're praying to God. Hmm. Wow. In the midst of your stuff, you still know that God is God. You know what? That's called faith. And your roots are going down deep. They're going down deep. Why is that important? Because I'm telling you, and you all know this, as things stir crazier and crazier in this world, you don't have to read too far in the newspaper to go, whoa. How is it that the light's going to shine and shine and shine and shine? I'll tell you how. Because there's an army of lovers of Jesus 
who have learned to trust their papa and know that he's good no matter what. And it's not just a nice thing to say. It's actually true. Where you know it's true. And when you're in that place, oh my goodness, let me tell you, the world's going to come running to you. How come you're so calm? What, how, come you got a, how come you got some joy in the midst of all this stuff that's flying around? Let me tell you about him. He's getting his church ready. How do you think a million, a billion souls are coming into the harvest as, as uh, uh, Bob Jones, yeah, prophesies that we've just, we've already moved into that place um, at uh, Rosh Hashanah this last September. How, how's, a million, how's a billion souls going to come into the harvest? Well, there's a lot of people who are going to be really hungry for God because a lot of other things haven't worked. Because the things that they were thinking were going to bring in pleasure or meaning in life, they're falling apart. Isn't that happening everywhere? You have the answer. He lives inside of you. So, and your roots are deep, deep, deep. Um, here's the deal, too. All of heaven's resources are at your disposal. They really are. I, I know we're still getting this one. Believe me. But all of heaven's resources are at your disposal, just like they were for Jesus. So Jesus goes, and he's got to feed a huge crowd. Ooh, what are we going to do? Hey, there's a kid with some fish and bread. You know what Jesus could have done? Think about this a second. I bet you he never really thought about this. He could have taken that lunch and said, they still got something to eat. <laughs> could he not have? He was hungry, too. Or he could have said, hey, disciples, you 12, come here. You know, at least we can all have a little bit. Don't we do that? When we don't know heaven's resources, don't we do that? That's where you get into that hoarding mentality. Jesus knew he had all of heaven's resources in a way that we're still getting, but it's coming. It's part of that word show gave. It's coming. Because when God shows up, really shows up, and then we start getting... Revelation downloads and we start getting it supernaturally. Oh, when he meant heaven is ours, he meant heaven's ours now. Here's an analogy that I think might help you. Disneyland. This is not the world's happiest place. Father's heart. The Father's heart is the world's happiest place. But let's just say Disneyland represents that. And Jesus has fully paid for you, so you got a full-on ticket into the park. You get all of it's yours. You get in the gates. You can go to any ride you want. It's all yours, right? So you begin meandering your way back through, and you're looking at some things. But all of a sudden, you, you find this one kind of cool ride. It's a small world. You're going, well, this is, this is kind of fun.
So now that you're all in your happy place, <laughs> so you find this ride. You're like, I like God's kingdom. It's kind of cool in here. It, this is happy. It's fun. The world's small. It's small enough for me. I like this. And um, and God says, oh, but there's so much more. And you're like, no, I'm just going to go back on this ride again because, because after all, it is a small world. And I kind of like that because, you know, I can grab my hands around that. And, uh, and besides, it's what I know. I, I'm liking this ride. It's comfortable. You know, it's comfortable. I, I know where the turns go when I've gone on it enough times. See, we could, we could get stuck on that ride for the rest of our lives and think that that's the kingdom of God. And it's, and it's a great ride. You know what I'm saying? And well, of course, it's the A ticket, not the E ticket. But that's for you who are really old. Um, but, but honestly, that's what a lot of us, that's what a lot of us do is, is uh, we get used to what we get used to in the kingdom. And even though we're aware there's more out there, but still it's a little scary and I just don't know. And I know this, so I'm going to stay there. But God says... You know, there are places to go. There are some other things I want to show you. Really cool things. If you'll just venture out a little bit. And not only that, but there's some more people I want you to meet. There's just a lot of great people out there, but you've got to be willing to go outside of your comfort zone and explore my kingdom. And not only that, but there are other rides for you to go on. There's, you can go to Adventureland. You can go to Tomorrowland. Here's another ride you get to go to. This is Space Mountain. <laughs> See, all of a sudden, the kingdom got a lot more fun. Now, let me tell you this. This is the amazing part in this analogy is that this park, it's still just the beginning. There's so many, the kingdoms, you know, because Disneyland, it's got this much space. And after a while, you kind of checked out everything and you're like, well, okay, I'll go back again, but I've seen it all. And he says, no, there's, there's really more. So there you go. You get in God's kingdom, you get a free hopper pass and a free fast pass. Now, Hopper passes mean you can go to any park you want. You get to jump around. So you get to go to heaven. You get to go places with the Lord. What I like about this, too, that's like an infinity sign, too. And the fast pass, you don't have to wait. You get to jump to the front of the line if you want to. You can use your hopper pass if you want to. It's already purchased by you or for you by Jesus. But you got to use it. So this is my analogy to say there's so much more. We're, we're experiencing the more all the time. But get out of your comfort zone. Go find out what else is out there because it is astounding all that God has in store for us. Romans 8 says that all of creation is groaning, waiting for us to get it who we are. Let me just read this. It's kind of an amazing passage. It says, um, let's start with verse uh, 19. For the whole order, the whole creation is waiting with eagerness for the children of God, that's us, to be revealed. Wait a minute, I thought we were already revealed. No, 
what we what, what creation is waiting for us is they're, they're, yes yes we know Jesus but they're waiting for us to know what's ours they're waiting for us to walk in the authority and the glory that we carry remember you know the glory that you all carry the glory that you're wrapped in every second of every day I just wanted to remind you of that okay It was not for its own purposes that creation had frustration imposed on it, but for the purposes of him who imposed it, with the intention that the whole creation itself might be freed from its slavery to corruption and brought into the same glorious freedom as the children of God. Somehow, and we're still getting this, but somehow, when we experience our freedom and we walk into who we really are in Christ, that is actually part of freeing all of creation. Creation is groaning, waiting for us to get this. It, it's it's so much bigger than we think. It's so much grander than we think. It's makes your head hurt for a while, after a while if you if you think about it so much because it's so big. This is Graham. Graham. Graham Cook uh, came to our church last this earlier this year. He's actually coming back. Um, March um, February twenty sixth. Um, and, uh, and so anyway, I wanted you to listen to Graham. This is just one track from a uh, CD called uh, The Way of the Warrior. And um, just listen to this, soak it in. It's about two minutes long. Just take this in. up and occupy a higher, deeper, broader place in my name and my nature. To learn to inhabit this dimension, not just visit it. The time of visitation is over. The place of habitation has been erected. You are in it and surrounded by it. A place higher than the enemy can affect has been created for you. Rise up and inhabit. Enter a high place of my affection. Come in. Enter a new environment of faith and permission. The door is open. You are in a new season. You have a new beginning. Don't look about you and say, but I'm still in the old place. You are in a new beginning. It has already occurred. You receive it first in spirit, then it becomes the truth in your experience. You are in learning the lessons of abiding. Remain here. Dwell here. Stay here. Explore this higher place. Allow me to give you a new vision for life in the Spirit. When you have a fresh perspective, you can see more. 
track earlier this week just to, to really um, tug on me, pull me up more. Uh, it's all by grace. He comes and calls out and says, come on, don't you want more? Don't you want more? You ever, you ever hear that term, you know, lean in, let's lean into God. Um, I'm okay with that as long as you understand that it's about leaning into a lover. That's someone you want. You'd want to lean into for those for the purpose of, of uh, greater intimacy with Him. And so that's what He's inviting you into. Always, always, always. He's saying there's so much more, and with that comes the authority, the power. Once you know who you are, whose you are, but the invitation is always coming deeper into me. So you were you were chosen before the foundation of the earth to belong to God. This is this was never an accident. You totally belong to Him. And you are actually seated with Him in heavenly places. You're seated with Him right now in heavenly places. You have all authority. But the only way you're going to know that authority is to draw in closer to the one who absolutely adores you. Here's another one last thing. The goal, so often we make the Christian life, we think that the Christian life is about trying not to sin. And I, and I would say if that's your goal, you've missed the whole thing. Your goal is not to try not to sin. Because actually, you'd be a complete failure at that goal. If you're trying. The goal is, how close can you get to the one who has done everything for you? And the closer you get to him, he starts convincing you of things like, oh, sin? That has no hold on you anymore. I already took care of that on the cross, too. To read Romans 6 in depth, to be renewed in that truth. But see, you can't, if you don't know him, that's just a fear, that's just an idea, a concept. Sin's not supposed to have any hold over me. How come it does? Once you know the person and he tells you, that changes everything. Now you start to go, oh, you mean that thing called sin that was a millstone around my neck? You took off forever. See, everything starts changing, but it happens through intimacy with Him. We're going to make some declarations. It's one of the things I like to do because what we proclaim with our mouth is super important. So um, I'd like you to stand, if you would, where you are, and we're going to make some declarations together. And then after that, we're going to do one more thing. But let me just do this first. Here's some declarations. This just kind of puts together some, some of the ideas that we talked about today. So if you would just say these with me. I am saved forever. I am alive for genuine intimacy with God. I am in a new season. It's my nature to trust God wholeheartedly. It's my destiny to be a world changer. It's my destiny to carry the glory of God everywhere I go. That's right. It, it should feel good. It should feel good to say it. Sometimes we hear these things and they stay in our minds and then we go off and do the next thing and kind of forget them all. When you actually say them, something's going on inside of you. So get used to saying things out loud. Get used to agreeing with God. But the more you can do it out loud, it does something for you.
Now, the, this is the last thing I want to do. We're going to, um, in, in just a minute, I'm going to, uh, we're going to listen, well, we're not going to listen, we're going to engage with a song that was written by um, Joanne McFadder. It's called Enoch Walked, from an album called Grace, Grace, a CD that she just released. She sang these songs in 2005, but they just released it now, and she says in the description of her, her CD, she says, look how what I declared uh, four years ago is happening now. Because we're in a now time. And so um, there's, a, there's, there's a, a line drawn in the sand that the Lord is inviting you over to, into. Of course, the, the, the biggest step over is, abs- is absolutely believing in Jesus. I, I do understand that. In fact, if you've not yet given your life to Jesus, it is as simple as we said tonight. It's as simple as believing Him. He is your Savior. He takes care of all of the penalty for your sin. You get to believe that and walk into a life you've always dreamed of. In fact, if you imagine the ocean on the other side of that line, if, you, if you've not yet believed in Jesus, I tell you, it's like going to the beach and not getting to go into the ocean and playing. It's like, oh, no, you want to cross over that line because that's where you get all the life that you've been looking for. But there's other lines that we're crossing over. You know, it's the line of, God, take me. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I give up, take me, just take over. It's the line of, of God, I want, I've got to have more intimacy. Tonight, earlier, I think it was it was uh, Lonnie or someone, or maybe one of the people that came up and shared about the about the uh, um, addictions being broken, shattered. It's it's about laying those things down and saying, God, I am alive for such a time as this. Let me see you for who you really are. Let me run into your arms. So as we as as I play this song, I want you to be actively involved with whatever that means for you. For some of you, I've asked the drummers to do some drumming with us while we're, while we're doing this. Um, for some of you, it may mean you need to, whatever, do some business with God, just lay some things down. Maybe you need to be up on the altar or, or laying down or on the floor somewhere. For some of you, I believe you're going to be coming up and grabbing a flag and doing a victory dance kind of thing, you know, a prophetic worship dance. Um, this is the thing, so often we're afraid, we're just afraid to do things, we're afraid to step out. Not only about what, what might so-and-so think, that's one part of it, but part of it is just, I don't know, I don't know what this is really, I don't know if I, I don't know. Can I just encourage you to, the more you choose to engage your heart with God's things happen. And sometimes, it, it, like I told you about with Disneyland, it means getting out of your comfort zone not doing the same ride you've done over and over again. So for some of you, that might be it. It might just be doing something you haven't done before. Let's let's just see where this goes and um, make sure, um, Matt, that this is loud enough for, because we got drummers, so we got to make sure there's plenty of sound. So release yourself, Holy Spirit, come and do what you do. Just come and take over. Whatever the Lord puts on your heart, I want you to step out and go for it. Step over that line.
just explain something, okay? Uh, this is what the Lord was, was reminding me of. Just as a little child cannot draw a bad drawing, it's on the, it's on the refrigerator. Parents are saying that's the best artwork I've ever seen. So, so you cannot dance a bad dance. You cannot wave a flag wrong. You can't drum wrong. He loves it. A little while ago, when it was seeming a little bit chaotic, I'm like, I was, I was getting so much joy, feeling the Father's joy. He was like, I love this sound. I love it. I love it. I love it. I want to encourage you. I just want to encourage you, especially if you're just still going, I'm not sure about this. I want to encourage you. Enter in. Let your let God take your heart somewhere. Let him take it somewhere. All right? So let's just keep going for a little while. God, we just invite you. Take us where you want to take us. We say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes to the new thing. Yes to this new season that you have us in. In Jesus' name, we say, yes.